Good morning, everyone. My name is David, one of the ministers here at church, and it is good to be here with you. We are we are coming to the end. This is the end of our Luke series uh, for this year. We'll come back to it again next year, I'm sure. Uh, but it's been good going through Luke 9 to 13. Today we're in chapter 13, so keep that open uh, in your Bibles. And uh, as we come to look at it, let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word uh, that you would speak to us uh, and teach us. And we pray we would be those who listen uh, and listen well, uh, not those who forget, uh, but those who hear and obey, uh, that we might know you, uh, salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and come at last into your glorious kingdom when Jesus returns. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, I've uh, got a question to start with. Uh, what, is the, uh, what is the thing that Jesus preached about more than anything else in the Gospels? What is the thing he preached about more than anything else? The kingdom of God. Anyone think that? I know you're all thinking that. Uh, the kingdom of God. There's, there are 61 separate sayings in the Gospels about the kingdom of God. You could say it was the one thing that Jesus preached about. Uh, he, he said something like that. You might remember from Luke 4:43. He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. All right, so it's important for us, if you're, if you're a Christian, you want to know God, uh, you have to know about the kingdom of God. But it can be hard to understand because it can feel like a bit of just an abstract idea, it's just floating out there like a force or a power or some kind of cloud. It's hard to grasp. Um, but it's more concrete than that. It's helpful to think about it. You might have heard it spoken about as God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. You've heard that before? That's a good way to think about it. Uh, uh, one example that I think of when I think of a kingdom is, is this. Lion King. As a kingdom, uh, there's, there's people, well, animals that act like people. Uh, there is a place, the Pride Lands, and, and Pride Rock is the centre. And, and they are there under the rule and the blessing of their king, uh, Mufasa, later Simba, of course. Um, but see, it's a concrete place. And God's kingdom is also a, a concrete reality like that. It is his chosen people uh, in, his, in his chosen eternal place, uh, living under the eternal rule and blessing of their king. And so this is, this is the kingdom of God that Jesus preached about. And this is the kingdom of God that he came to make a reality for his people. And so uh, it is good for us to, to work to understand it. And it's not just us who found it hard to understand, but the people in Jesus' day as well had trouble understanding the kingdom of God. What was Jesus talking about? Because um, they had read about you know, God's kingdom in the Old Testament and the glory of the kingdom under David and Solomon and the heights that it reached. But they'd also read about how the kingdom fell to Babylon and never really recovered and they knew they'd been passed around from ruler to ruler until now they were under the, the Roman rule. They were part of the Roman kingdom. Right? But they'd also read that, that God had promised to restore the kingdom of Israel. And so they had this great hope that was focused on a Messiah, a king who would come. 
Right? And he would conquer all the enemies of God, he would save God's people, and he would establish the righteous rule of God on earth. Right? And then so Jesus comes preaching the kingdom of God, saying the kingdom of God has come near. And people look at him and go, really? I don't think you know what the kingdom of God is, Jesus. Because they look at him and, and he was not what they were expecting. But Jesus spends a lot of his time teaching about the kingdom of God, correcting those expectations of people so they can understand what the kingdom of God is like. And so today in this passage, we actually get three important questions answered about the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus talks about what it's like, uh, who gets into the kingdom of God, which is very important, and how does God's kingdom come? And so as we listen today, uh, Jesus' teaching helps us to understand the kingdom of God as this certain and glorious reality that, that really we want to be a part of. How do we become a part of this kingdom? Right? That's why Jesus taught about it, because it's so important to him, but it's important to us because we want to be part of God's kingdom. And so how can we be sure that we will enter the kingdom of God. So let's have a look at uh, those three questions today. The first one is, what is the kingdom of God like? Verses 18 to 21. So Jesus asked this question himself. So verse 18. What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Right, so both, both of those parables are saying basically the same thing, uh, saying the kingdom of God will grow from insignificant beginnings to surprising significance. Insignificant beginnings to surprising significance. So you can see there, uh, a, a seed is tiny. Yeast is tiny. Very insignificant things as they begin. Uh, but there is growth, isn't there? The seed becomes a tree. The yeast works through the dough. And, and they grow to surprising significance, right? The, the seed becomes a tree. And not just a bush. A, a mustard seed would become like this kind of medium-sized bush. It wouldn't become this tree that birds would perch in and, and give shade and security and, and, and abundance. It's surprising. And also the, the yeast uh, working through all this dough, 60 pounds of dough. You know how many kilos that is? 27 kilos? I didn't know that. But they, that's, a, that's a lot of, of flour. That's a lot of dough, 27 kilos. That's huge. But it works all the way through. It is very surprising. But this is what the kingdom of God is like. From insignificant beginnings, it will grow to this uh, significant, surprising significance. And so you think about it. Think about Jesus. Uh, think about his beginnings here in the gospel with his 12 followers, this poor carpenter turned preacher, with his fishermen and his tax collectors. Surely these guys are not going to change the world forever. Surely not. But you know who, who got it unknowingly right in, in, in the book of Acts uh, after the Gospel of Luke, also written by Luke, but in the book of Acts, after Jesus' resurrection, when the Jewish authorities are trying to figure out what do we do with these guys that are preaching about the resurrection of Jesus? We, you know, we don't like them. 
But this guy, Gamaliel, very wisely, he got it right. So Acts 5.38, he said, he said, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Right? So the wisdom was, you know, let's just leave them alone. Leave the seed. Leave the yeast. Let's see what happens. Okay? Uh, if it's from man, it's going to fail. It's got no chance. If it's from God, though, we won't be able to stop it. Right? And what happened? Well, the gospel continued to spread. People continued to believe. The church continued to grow right, to unimaginable levels of significance in the world. Billions have believed over the years. Right? The, the seed of the kingdom of God uh, that Jesus brought, uh, it is growing. It continues to grow as people continue to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will keep growing until the day that it is complete. And so if this is the case, if this is what we're seeing happening in the world today, if this is true, then, then it's really important that we get on the right side of history, isn't it? That we find ourselves in the kingdom of God and members of this movement. And so that's the next question. Right, who gets in the kingdom of God? So we're moving now to verses 22 to 30. Uh, Jesus is continuing on his way to Jerusalem and he gets asked by someone, verse 23, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Right, in other words, this question is, is, who gets into the kingdom of God? Right, and Jesus' answer in verse 24, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. So Jesus is doing one of those things where he just doesn't answer the question like you'd like him to, but he answers it in a different way. And so he answers this one with, with a warning. He says, many will try to enter, but they will not be able to because the door is narrow. Now, I used to think, it was, I used to think Luke's talking about narrow in size, like you have to kind of squeeze through the door somehow. Uh, but, but I think he's really talking about it being narrow in time, that the door is only open for a short period of time. Because look what he says in verse 25. He says, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. And then notice the reason that these people are outside of the door. It's because they don't know the owner of the house. See, twice Jesus says, or the owner says, I don't know you or where you come from. All right, and this knowing that he's talking about is, is knowing in relationship. Okay, I can know the Prime Minister, but that is very different to me knowing my children. Right, I know who the Prime Minister is, but I know my children in relationship. And that's the kind of knowing that he's talking about here. And so those who are outside, they're claiming, yet yeah, we know you. So verse 26, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But that's like saying, I know the Prime Minister because I saw him on TV. Right? I don't really know him. Right? And so Jesus is actually challenging a, a Jewish presumption of his day, right? where people thought 
Uh, they, they just took for granted that they were saved because they were physical descendants of Abraham. They were part of you know, Israel. They thought that means that I'm saved. But Jesus is challenging them saying that the true children of Abraham are, are those who know God in relationship with him. They're not just those who know about God, but, but they know him in relationship. And so that's why Jesus is challenging them. He's, he goes on to challenge them and says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Right? Make every effort to be someone who is in that relationship with God. And, right, and this every effort, it's, it's, like a, it's like an athlete. Like an athlete would make every effort in their contest. They would sweat and they would strive and they would strain, they would exert themselves to the end. And that's, that's the opposite of presumption, of just thinking it's all good. So Jesus, he's, he's warning and challenging his hearers, don't think you're saved for no good reason. Right, but make every effort to know God and to be in relationship with him before that door is closed and it's too late. And, and as we've been going through Luke, hopefully it's been clear to you that uh, the way to know God is through Jesus. Jesus has been teaching that. True children of Abraham, those who are members of the family of God, are those who hear the word of Jesus and obey him right jesus knows that that's why he's calling people saying hey come and follow me come and be my disciples because that is how you know god but the sad reality of the gospels and, and, and jesus life was that many people did not listen to him uh, instead of people listening and following him he was rejected and he was killed and so some people sort of think, oh, this, this shows that Jesus' mission failed. He failed. Right? But if you've been following through Luke, you'll know this, this is not a failure. This is actually why he came. This was the goal of his mission. Right? This is actually the way that Jesus would bring God's kingdom. It was the plan all along. And so that's what we see in this next passage. We, we see how the kingdom comes. How does the kingdom come? And so you remember that? Remember the start of Luke where we started this series, the turning point? Remember Luke 9.51 where Jesus resolutely set his face for Jerusalem? And of course, it wasn't for the sightseeing. He'd been there. It was for the cross. And so we get reminded here that's where Jesus is going as we read this section. So verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. And so here Jesus, he knows where he's going, the Pharisees try and divert him from where he's going. Right? And he says, he says, nothing's going to stop me. Right? He, he's been walking this path, hasn't he? He's been healing people. He's been driving out demons. Uh, and, and what is that showing people? Uh, it, it's revealing he is the Messiah. He is God's king. He's here. It's also revealing that the kingdom of God has come in power 
in the person and work of Jesus. So he's, he's, he's going this way. Uh, and he's going to keep going this way until he reaches his goal in Jerusalem and he dies upon the cross. Because this is why he came. This is the way that he is going to bring the kingdom of God to make it a reality. And so his rejection by people uh, was not a mistake or a failure. Uh, it was part of the plan. Uh, and it was actually not something even that new in terms of God's people. This has been happening for a long time. And he says that in verse 34. As he laments over Jerusalem, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those, who, stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Right? This, this is the Old Testament in one verse. Okay, if you have an Old Testament test in the morning and you haven't studied, okay, sounds like a bad dream, read this verse. Okay, this will give you everything you need to know about God's relationship with his people in the Old Testament. God had always loved his people. He'd always longed to gather them together and have them live in peace under his rule and blessing. But they have always been hard-hearted and rebellious and rejected God and gone their own way and just wanted to live their life without him. And we see the culmination of that in Jesus because God comes to his people and they kill him. God comes and he gets killed by his people. Yet, uh, in the unsearchable wisdom and knowledge of God, this was the plan. This is how God's kingdom would come. This is the way that God defeated sin and death. It is the way that he opened the door from hell to heaven so anyone who believes in him, even those who killed him, can come and find forgiveness and enter the kingdom of God. Because Jesus now is the, the risen king of God's kingdom. Right? The seed has been planted and it is growing and one day it will be complete when Jesus returns. That's the story of the kingdom of God. That is what Jesus was preaching and teaching to people. It's so important. And not just for them then, the people Jesus was preaching to, but to us as well as we read it today. Right? The one thing Jesus preached about, the kingdom of God. The most important thing for us to know about. Right? It is the one thing that matters most, is that we are part of it. That we are part of God's kingdom. That we are inside and not outside when Jesus returns. And so how can we be sure of that? How can we be sure that we are part of God's kingdom? Um, because, of course, uh, Israel's story is our story as well. God has always loved us, but we have not always loved him. Uh, in fact, we have hardened our hearts to him and rebelled and gone our own way. Right? And so we must not presume that we are saved. Right? We must not take for granted a place in God's kingdom. Right? Some people sort of think, oh, because I was born in a Christian home, because I said a prayer one day, uh, because I go to church, because I read my Bible, because, because anything I do is the reason that I am saved. Right? We must not presume that those things would save us, but we must make every effort to enter the kingdom of God through that narrow door while we have time. Right, Because this is the time to do it. This is the time when the door is open. Uh, this is the time of God's patience with us 
where he gives us time to come to him. So Peter calls it that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He says, The Lord is not slow to fulfil his promises, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Right? We, should, we should make every effort in repentance in this time that we have. Uh, a great illustration of what is repentance uh, comes from, from Sammy. I didn't warn her about this, but this great story of Sammy when she was in Italy with her, with her family when she was younger, uh, driving in a car in Italy, and the, the streets are this chaos over there, and so everyone's a bit frantic. And, and her father turns down a one-way street going the wrong way, okay? And then this bus starts coming the other way. Like, what do you do in that situation? You repent, okay? You turn that car around and you get out of there, okay? And they did somehow, I don't know how, but they did. But that, that's repentance, right? Turn your life around. You're going the wrong way. Turn and, and come back to God and find forgiveness. And this is the time God has given us to do that. And so we must make every effort while we have the time to come back to God and to be in relationship with him. Right? Making every effort in repentance uh, means hearing the word of God and obeying him. Right? Make every effort to hear the word of God, to understand the word of God and to obey the word of God. Right? Make every effort in that. Like, athletes make every effort. They do it to get a medal or a trophy or just something that sits on the shelf and gathers dust. How much more should we be making every effort to receive an eternal prize, eternal life with God? So important for this time that we live in. So are you making every effort to know God? And look, making every effort can sound like, you know, Dave, are you saying it's up to me to save myself if I, if I don't do these things? I'm not saved. Well, it, it's, not, it's not so simple, and that's not simply the case. Because remember what Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Great memory verse. Do not be afraid, little flock. That's us. We're little sheep, you know, the flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. What is, what is Jesus saying here? God is not reluctant in, in gathering people into his kingdom. He loves to do that. He loves to give salvation to people as a gift. This is why Jesus came. Right? So anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He, he loves to give the kingdom and to grant people a place in it. Right? But here's the paradox it's that those who are given a place in the kingdom of God are also those who make every effort to enter the kingdom of God. They are the same people. But it's not, a, it's not kind of a striving and an effort in fear and in worry and in, in anxiety, but it's a, it's a striving that is secure. It's a striving with confidence in the word of God. Now, Paul has a great way of putting these things. So in Philippians, he puts it this way. He says to them, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so if you are someone who has repented and believed, making every effort to know God through Jesus Christ, then you have a, a secure place in God's kingdom. You are a citizen of heaven right now already. Your name is written in heaven. 
as Jesus told his disciples. It is secure, and you can be confident about that. And look, there is, there is nothing better than that. You've got, to, you've got to tell yourself that. Nothing better. But then you've got to say, well, actually, there is something better, and that is that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Because, look, we are waiting for a saviour from heaven. Uh, we're not waiting in fear. We're waiting in, in eager expectation and hope that when he appears, uh, that he will save us and we'll be with him forever. But that is a day in the future. And until that day, uh, we continue to, to make every effort to know God through the Lord Jesus Christ, to enter through that narrow door. Uh, and when Jesus appears in glory, if you are doing that, uh, you will not be outside the kingdom, but you will very much be inside. Uh, you will be taking your place in your seat at the feast in the kingdom of God, uh, in the glorious kingdom of God. Uh, joy forevermore. Now let's keep our eyes fixed upon that and hoping in that uh, and praising God for that. And so I'm going to leave us in prayer now as we do that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful uh, for the kingdom uh, that you have given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we are thankful for your uh, forgiveness that comes through uh, his death and resurrection. And Father, I pray that as we are those who have, are receiving this kingdom, uh, that we would be those who make every effort to enter also. Lord, keep us turning from sin uh, toward faith in the Lord Jesus. Help us to keep hearing his word uh, and believing it, trusting your promises. And Father, keep us hoping and looking uh, and fixing our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so when he returns, uh, we know that we will appear with him in glory and be with you forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.